everyone to another episode of the Teach, Lead, Innovate podcast, a show committed to discussing bold and innovative ideas in education. I'm Dave Walker, a proud elementary school principal, adjunct professor of history, avid cyclist, and am so grateful that you are tuning in to today's episode. Now, today is quite a treat for me because I have the pleasure of interviewing not just one, but two of my former students, Rashawn Shivers Jr. and Lynette Hendricks. I had the pleasure of teaching them both during their time in my Introduction to Education class when they were in high school. And most exciting, they are both in their first year of teaching this year. Both of them teach at schools in the great city of Newark, New Jersey. I am so happy to see you both again. How are you doing? <laughs> doing well, doing well. I'm doing good. It's good to see you too. Yeah, of course. Oh, wonderful. Always a pleasure. All right, so you're both new to teaching, and as you both know about me, I believe it is important to encourage and build up those who want to enter the profession. This is definitely the theme of this episode. We need more individuals of great passion, excitement, enthusiasm, and talent like the both of you. And I'm hopeful that today's conversation and the insights you provide will be quite beneficial for new teachers listening. To start, can you tell us what grade and subjects you teach? We'll start with Lynette. So I teach third grade. I teach writing. I teach math. Well, my co-teacher and I teach math together, but I lead math. So I do all the instruction, prompting, and all of that. I teach narrative as well and close reading. So for our school, narrative is when we kind of dive into the books. We talk about, you know, the resolution, the problems in the book, conflict, and all of that as well. So that's what I teach for my third grade class. And then my co-teacher teaches kind of the other half of that as well, which Rashawn could tell you because he teaches those subjects. So I also teach third grade, how ironic. <laughs> I specifically teach informational. So that is a split into reading comprehension and guided reading, both encouraging our the scholars that I teach to utilize those skills because there are both subjects, there are skills in both that you can use. I am the support teacher for math. I've also most recently started leading math. So I am the one in front of the room really pushing out my students to really use those brains. I also teach knowledge, which is social studies, science, or health related, depending on the unit. And I also, yeah. And so I teach informational knowledge and math, sometimes writing, depending. Um, but those are my three core subjects. That's amazing. That's awesome. All right, so you're first-year teachers, and I want to start off with a, with a question that make you think. So I want you to describe, so far, one or two of the most memorable moments you've had in the classroom so far this year. <laughs> Let's see. I had actually quite a few of them. I think one of my memorable moments is I teach math, but I'm not a fan of teaching math because I always feel like the way I explain it yeah. is not how it comes out. And then a lot of times they're looking at me like I just said something from outer space and I'm like, I don't know how to give it to you anymore. It's simpler than this. But we recently started fractions mm -hmm. and it was probably the hardest because I knew how difficult it would be because we were basically everything they learned prior to that, we were throwing out the window because now mm -hmm. we're a fraction. So everything is the opposite. And I think the first fraction lesson I did is I had a kid come, I had a child come up to me after and he said, you taught that 
so well. Like I actually understood it. And in my head, I'm like, did you really? Because I feel like you guys were looking at me like you didn't. But what came out wasn't that. And he was one of them that did it was like hard at math. Like he was one of my difficult ones. Every math lesson I had to pull him or work with him separately. And even now seeing his progress, like he gets it. And that meant something to me because I felt like, you know, when I first started getting in the classroom, like for the very first year, I felt like I was just not explaining anything. I was ex thinking it in my head. I'm explaining it to third graders like this. And it wasn't coming out like that. So that felt good to know. Because for me, that's always been one of my like balances that I couldn't figure out. You know, I would always go to my leadership and be like, I'm not explaining this correctly. But for him to say that to me, it made me feel good, you know, and it made me feel good that he felt good because, like I said, he was someone in math that just he would not get it. But like he's been doing so well. So that meant a lot to me this year. So there's two things that I hear in that. Number one, it, you said you, you go to leadership. So it sounds like you have mentoring there that you can go if you have a question and be able to get answers or suggestions, which is tremendously helpful and good as a new teacher. But secondly, it is completely normal to get in front of the class and you're teaching a lesson. You're like, uh oh, am I doing this the right way? You are it's just like a confidence thing. And so I'm going to suggest you believe in yourself. You got this. It's going to come. It's natural. It's normal. I felt like when I was a new teacher, almost like I had imposter syndrome, right? It's a real feeling. Am I really, should I be a teacher? Am I, do I have what it takes? So yeah, you do. What you are experiencing is completely normal, hundred percent normal, but definitely don't doubt yourself. All right, Rashawn, give me a memorable moment for you this, so far this year. Memorable moment. A few weeks ago, I was asked to teach informational to my full class of 32 students. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, dear God in heaven. They're all in different places. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? So I'm teaching the lesson. We're at a part where they're discussing a part of the lesson. And I'm like, yeah. I'm walking around. And as I'm listening, I'm like, I, how could I have taught this? How could I have helped them explain this better? Mm -hmm. And I overheard them. It was about dance. And I am a dancer. So, of course, I had to throw mm -hmm. myself into the Absolutely. mix. And um, they were like, Mr. Shivers. Nothing made sense until you said you were a dancer and then it all made sense. And I was like, huh? But to really hear them because they're typically like, I have some scholars that they are like really into it. They're in, they're enthused, they're all in no matter what the topic is. And then I have some, it's like, you have to really reel them in. And that really made me feel good because that showed me that like, yes, I have a curriculum to deliver, but I can always incorporate myself and make it fun and make it creative because in order for them to succeed, I have to reach them where they are. And yeah. at that moment, I'm like, wow, I really reached them where they were. And that still sticks with me to this day. And even now, like, they'll come up to me like, yeah, that lesson was really good. I actually learned something. So I think that was a memorable moment for me, especially because I've been, you know, by my, I'm literally holding it down. I don't have a co-teacher, you know, as Lynette is so fortunate to have. So I... Really, like, that meant a lot to me because it's not just I'm delivering curriculum. I'm actually getting to know my students on a personal level mm -hmm. at the same time as teaching them out. It's all, about, it's all about those relationships. And what I think is super cool is your kids got to learn something so unique about you. And I know that when you shared that, that enthusiasm and passion must have come out, right? And they're going to feel that. They're gonna, and they're, you're going to make a, even a deeper connection. So outstanding. 
So again, classroom management can be a challenge for new teachers. Undoubtedly, you keep adding to your toolbox throughout the years, but has there been, or have there been any strategies that you have found effective for you so far this year? So yeah, so one strategy is, as far as classroom management, knowing your students. I think that's so important because once you know your students, you know how you can effectively manage a classroom because you have to manage it in a case where you're reaching all of them. So one strategy for me is that I use, well, thanks to my partner, Matt, there is a, I do, well, I now do what's called a Bobcat Raffle Pass because our homerooms are named after colleges that North Stars alumni have attended. My classroom Ooh. is New York University and our mascot is the Bobcat. So I do Bobcat Raffle Passes for the littlest thing. If I have kids run things downstairs for me, or if they really answer the question, if they really said something that was really thought-provoking, I'll give them one. At the end of the week, I draw their names. They get to have lunch with me. They get lunch on me. They get snacks on me. I pretty much give them just anything. And also just like having conversations with them, because once you have conversations with them, you know what triggers them. So you know, okay, I got to approach this X way, or I have to do when this comes up, I have to be careful because of X, Y, Z. So I think honestly, classroom management for me was a, was, it, it was a hassle at first, but as I got to know my students, I got to know, okay, efficient and effective classroom management. Cause I think that you still got to teach, but you also mm -hmm. have to be able to effectively manage your classroom. hundred percent. That's great. Lynette. So like he said, he stole that idea from me because <laughs> that's my classroom management. So I actually started it because of all the third grade classrooms, mine was the most high energy. Like it didn't matter what I did. Mm -hmm. They were just high energy. And before this, I used to run a preschool. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I kind of got to know them and my class was very competitive, like extremely competitive. It was as if the class was a sport itself. So what I did is when I came up with the raffle system, the way, the same way Rashawn does it, I did the same thing. They have a raffle. They get picked at the end of the week. They get their prize the following week. But for me, I do it during instruction. Third grade for me is what I've observed in my school that I work at is it's a pivotal year for them because it's a huge mm -hmm. jump from second grade curriculum to third yes. grade curriculum. It also starts for them the big testing and all of that. So this yes, is the year they need to like really hone in on everything. So my raffle passes I use during instruction and I saw a big jump from scholars who just wanted to sit there, kind of just listening to everyone, to them actually participating, um, listening and being okay with saying the wrong answer. And then also I saw a huge jump as well in scholars being able to help them as well and seeing things too. So for me, that's one of my classroom management ideas that I do in my classroom. And then another thing I do is group points as well. So during the day, if I see that the middle rows are doing, you know, something caring, responsible, respectful, I give them points for that. And then usually once you give them points, because my class is so competitive, everyone's following suit. And it took me a while to do that because at the beginning of the year, my class, I will say, was a little wild. But now they started to simmer down. And I mm -hmm. think also, as Rashawn said, getting to know your, your kids as well, but also understanding their age, you know, like it doesn't matter how much I tell them mm -hmm. to stop talking. They're not going to. They're eight. Likewise. That's their favorite thing to do. So I think making it fun helps them hone in on it as well. 
and it helps you with classroom management too. Absolutely. Those are phenomenal suggestions. <laughs> and I'm super glad that you've picked on to those so quickly in the school year. And you've got to do what works for you and for your class. And yeah, you said something earlier, Rashard, that, you know, you have to meet your students where they're at. You have to know them. You have to get to know them. It's by doing that, that, that a lot of times these classroom management techniques come forth because you know your kids and you know what's best for them. So you've got lesson planning, grading, individualized instruction, and so much more. How are you both managing your time? Do you have any time management tips? So for me, I literally, my time management used to be in my brain. Mm -hmm. Now with teaching, I've had to write everything out. So literally, I have a planner. I color code it to a T, even down, you know, to any meetings I have to attend. That is literally my Bible now. So in every meeting, they see me pull out this massive notebook planner and I'm writing down all due dates and stuff. Honestly, and I prioritize, like I prioritize if I have minor classroom tasks that I can have perhaps a class job student do, or mm -hmm. if they're that, you know, so I can prioritize and, or if it just means I have to say, you know what, this will get done when it gets done so I can do this. So honestly, mm -hmm. it's prioritizing, um, but it's also knowing yourself. Like I know me, I'm the biggest procrastinator ever. So I have to get started on things immediately. Right away. And that honestly has worked for me because I'm able to get ahead. And sometimes I'm way too ahead. So yeah, time management now has become easier. But when I first started, it was a hot mess. You're learning. <laughs> you see, for me, it was easier because I came from a job where I had no choice but to be able to manage my time. Um, so like for me, all of my lesson plans is done up till March. So... I did that because for me, I don't take work home. Like, that's just me personally, because one thing I learned the first couple of weeks when I was taking work home is that it started interfering with my family time and all that. And I'm like, you know what? If I divide my time up correctly, I can do this at work. So what I started doing is throughout the week, I know when my preps are. And during that one prep, I got those tasks done. And then if something more like if they gave me a new task that required a little bit more attention I put it in where I could of course if I need to take work home I gotta take work home I sometimes you can't help that as a teacher of course but for me I use Google Outlook calendar so everything pops up on my phone everything pops up on my laptop because I'm on my laptop 24 7 for the at school as well so it'll pop up and it's also good reminders. And then I use OneNote as well. So OneNote is kind of like my notebook. Very organized. Um, I also like the whole, you know, the strikes through with the red that lets me know like it's done. And then as I cross it off, it just makes me feel good. So I feel like time management, time managing, knowing what needs to be done and getting it done when you can. You know, you can only do what you can. But if you manage your time correctly and manage it right, You'll get it all done, you know? I mean, of course, you're going to have to take it home. I'm not a big fan of taking work home. I like to just go home and relax. Um, but, you know, when you have to. Of course. And like for the break coming up. Of course. Up. And I think that's important. During the break, you should take that time mm -hmm. to, you need to take that time for you. And, you know, Rashawn, don't feel bad because I wish I could have had my own organization as neatly arranged and organized as Lynette my first year teaching first two, maybe two, three years, it takes time. But look, you know, I also hear in this that Lynette's, Lynette doing the preschool in the past also helped in this transition too. So yeah. 
you know, you are coming in and you're learning too. You didn't have that background. So give yourself that grace because you're going to be, you're going to fall right into the place as well. And it seems like you are doing so. And you kind of touch a little bit on the next question I was going to ask is because obviously we talked about like that it's challenging or not, but that it's important to take care of yourself. And it seems like, Lena, you have a system like in order with time management to be able to allow yourself to prioritize the family time and your own personal goals that you have. How are you taking care of yourself through this challenging year? <laughs> How am I taking care of myself? That's a good mm -hmm. question. Are you taking care of yourself? I've gotten better with that because every weekend I used to say, they used to be like, Rashawn, what's your weekend looking like? Lesson plans. Now it's, I don't take work home. Now, it may, I may throw it in my bag, but it doesn't mean I'm pulling it out. I Honestly, that's helped me overall because it gives me something exciting to look forward to when I get into the classroom. Because it's not like I'm looking at these lesson plans. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have to teach these kids. Now it's like I, leave, I now leave my lesson plans in my clipboard on my desk. And I come in early Monday morning and I mark them up as much as I can before the kids get here. And it gives me something to look forward to because I'm like, okay, well, I have this lesson to teach. I'm excited. And it's not like I'm, because, you know, self-care is a thing. And I've gotten better with that because I used to literally take, I think I stopped that in like October. I was like, yeah, I can't do this. So now I take all my lesson plans for the week, put them in my clipboard, stays at the school. And so I can take that time to recharge because outside of the classroom, we're still humans at the end of the day. Absolutely. And it's important that we are fully recharged because if our battery is fully charged, we can then pour into our kids. Because with a, with an empty battery, we're not able to pour into our kids like we should. We're not able to deliver curriculum like we should. And then that will trickle down and not just affect the kids, but also our performance as educators. Because if we're just standing up here for the heck of it, why are we here? You hit the nail on the head. You've got to take care of yourself to be able to take care of those kiddos in your charge. Absolutely. Lynette, anything else there? I agree with everything you said. I mean, okay. you know, taking care of ourselves. We as teachers, we go through a lot in one day. You know, there's so mm -hmm. much to do. Um, and not even that, you're also in charge of like 30 kids, you know, and they're not all the same kid. They're all different kids. Mm -hmm. So one thing I learned, like one thing I had to learn is like when parents have concerns or questions I used to answer them anytime like if I was up I was answering and one day like I told my parents I said look after six o'clock you might not get me <laughs> you know I will see your text message but you probably won't get a text from me until the morning um it's also setting those boundaries as well and also sticking to them too because it's mm -hmm. very easy to say you're gonna you know do this for yourself and then something at work happens and then you're like all right I need to do this instead it's that's where the time management and sure everything is. comes in as well, too. So and I but I think that's important. You are setting your boundaries. You're still going to get back to parents. You're still going to do the tasks that you need to. But you are also balancing it again, time management to make sure that you're able to get the things you need done and to be your best self when the morning comes. So kudos, kudos to both of you. Outstanding. So, Rashawn, I have a question for you, Rashawn. African-American male teachers are often underrepresented in the field. Can you speak to the importance of having more male educators of color in schools and the impact it can have on students? It is so, I cannot stress enough, the need for the presence of Black male teachers in the classroom. I did not realize 
how much of an importance it was until I got in my classroom. We finished quarter one and I held parent-teacher conferences with my parents. I am 99.9%, just about every single one of my students, I am their first male teacher, let alone black male teacher, that they've had since kindergarten. And they're in third grade now. And when I hear the stories uh -huh. of how these kids are going home talking about, wow, like Mr. Shavis has such a profound impact on me, it makes me feel good because it's like all my students come from a different walk of life. And I'm not just here to teach curriculum. I'm here to teach life. I'm here to prepare my students to be at a productive assets in society. And if I can be part of that, then I've done my job because I currently, we currently serve black and brown students with a mixture of Latinx. But having a presence of a Black man standing in front of the room educating these kids is so important because they need to see that success is attainable even for them because there's such a stigma and stereotype to Black men that you don't see Black men in the classroom teaching. And there's such a need for that because it'll not only, it not only looks good, but it also lets these young kids know that, especially these young boys, if my teach, if Mr. Shivers can do it, I can do it. I had a um, young man walk up to me, one of my students. I was like, wow, Mr. Shivers, I really didn't think that I was able to do anything. But to see you teaching, it really gave me hope. That, I, I've done my job right there. If I could just reach one student, that's all. Being a Black man as an educator, I'm, I'm honored and I count it a privilege because it's not just I get to teach, but I get to stand in a gap and close that gap. And to be that representation and be that 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 representation that yes i'm a black man in front of the classroom teaching kids doing something i love because it's one thing to just be a black man teaching but it's mm -hmm. another thing to be a man of color in the classroom doing what you love i would do this if i could do this every day which i do i would do it all over again i would do it all 365 days a year if i could but the impact of being a man a black man in the classroom it is so it holds so much weight i teach with two other black men so i'm not the only black man and it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in how these kids behave, makes a difference in their, in their personality, how they communicate certain things, and you're able to pour into them. So being a Black man in the classroom is honestly one of the best gifts I can have. What I got from that, your response, was just your passion. And just, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think you're seeing that. You're seeing that in your first year, the importance of that. And you know, if you take a look at the data and the statistics, African-American women are also underrepresented in the field as well. So it's so good to hear the passion that you are sharing for this, Rashorn. So I'm super proud. And so I have one more final question for you both. So teaching is a dynamic profession with many expectations. Now, what is a goal that you have, both of you, because you know I'm going to hold you to it. What is a goal that you have or an aspiration as an educator? Mine is I want to make it to the board of ed off. <laughs> like, like I was a history major. So history is like my thing. I know I always get made fun of for because everyone's like history. I'm like, yeah, history. Yes. Um, and it's also a subject that even talking to some of my kids, they just find it so boring. And I'm like, how do you find this boring? It's so interesting. Oh, keep uh, talking, Lynette. They, keep talking. Yeah, it's like, it's wonderful. understand 
But like one thing I always said is like I wanted to be the chair of a history of a social studies or whatever department they have. You know, I tried the center director. I wanted to go back to teaching because that's where my passion was. But also going, moving on up to help impact more because we can do so much as teachers and, you know, to keep moving up and showing them, but also having a say in that as well. You know, so being able to also make history fun, because like even during knowledge, sometimes like knowledge, like Rashawn said, is like social study science. Like the other week, my teaching partner was teaching a history lesson and they all sighed and I got so offended. I'm like, why are you guys so offended? Like, this is so fun. So that's one of my aspirations. As It sounds so nerdy and bad, but that's what I tell everybody. Like, and that's that's what and- I want to do. And that's with any subject, but especially history, I found that it can be, you can make a subject super engaging for a kid yeah, and, or it can be the opposite too. Right. And so I think that what I love, obviously your love of history, it's just wonderful to hear, <laughs> my, but it is yes, to be able to bring that to life for a kid and get them engaged is tremendous. Rashorn. give me a goal so here. Unlike Mr. Hockey, I am not a history junkie out of what's I do aspire to continue teaching. However, I want to eventually move up in the ladder of education while I am not shaming teaching because teaching is so powerful. That was also powerful and being able to lead a team, being able to lead a school. Of course, Mr. Walker, I've engaged in conversations with you about this. But my goal is to become doctor for Sean Shivers Jr. And so I can be able to take that and advance myself to become that leader that not just my students need, but my staff need, that the staff would need. Because a leader, yes, students need, but staff also need that too. And there needs to be representation all around in the school, not just in the classroom, but in the leadership as well. Because it makes a difference, trust me. It makes a difference with representation. And Mm -hmm. so that is the goal. But for right now, in this season of life, I want to continue to pour into my children because I feel like I gave birth to them. So to continue pouring into them. And then when the time comes, then I want to take the next steps to advance into um, school leadership. And see, that's the thing. Even when you said in your response, it's about the kids. Like it's about Mm -hmm. the kids and you love the kids. You've got to enjoy the season of teaching because the years of teaching that you have, when you then move up, you don't, you never want to lose sight of what the classroom life is like because it makes you a better leader by remembering that and by being in that, right? And so as you move up, you still have, the students have to be your number one. And I think you understand that already. So that is, I'm happy. (laughs) You got it. So you guys know, I'm so proud of you. I thank you so much for coming on to the show today and for sharing your insights. I'm sure that there are other new teachers that are listening that are like, Wow. Somebody else gets me. I can understand that. It's not just me. And that's the message. It's not just you. It is a difficult year. You'll get through it without a doubt. All right, everyone. Until we meet again, stay inspired, stay positive, and have the best day ever.